0: Hello, hello and welcome all the people who have made the right choice to come to Lessons from the Life of John G. Payton. Um, We're on page 23 in the handout. Um, I'm just going to pray for us as we begin and then it's going to be over to you guys. Um, So let me pray to begin. Heavenly Father, um, I pray now as we look at the life of John G. Payton that we would be uh, more in love with who you are, that John Payton's God is our God, the eternal God. Um, may we have great faith in you from looking at Payton's life. Um, and I pray for all of us that we would follow Peyton's example um, of gospel commitment. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're on page 23 of the handout. I'm just going to ask you to turn and talk to the person next to you for one or two minutes. The first question, what does a good life look like for our culture? What does a good life look like for our culture? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So I don't know what you were discussing in our group. We were talking about. Money, relationships, uh, having a degree, having fun experiences. So I just went to Paris and posted an Instagram album of all the fun experiences I had in Paris. Um, I think it is unlikely that when we think of a good life, that it will be some, someone going to an island of cannibals to spread the gospel. <laughs> Would our culture think that the good life involves going to somewhere where beating wives to death is common? Where the last set of missionaries for the gospel were eaten immediately upon their arrival? Would a good life be where your life is consistently threatened day by day? Some of the threats uh, being a spear carrying cannibal setting fire to your house. Another day, a man following you for four hours with a loaded musket. One night, the safest place for you being to sleep being a tree. Now, these are only a few of the very dramatic incidents from the inspirational life of John Payton, who we're going to be looking at this morning. John Payton was a Scottish missionary, pioneer in the 19th and a bit of the early 20th century to an island called the New Hebrides. Um, Mark, could I have you on the PowerPoint? Yes, of course. We have some images. If you don't know what the New Hebrides are... Oh, this is John Payton. Yeah, this is John Payton. <laughs> lovely guy. And then... So this is where it's now called... I think it's Vanuatu. 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 And if we look here, this is the island of Tanna, which is going to be important today, and this is the island of Aniwa. And if you want to go to the next one, Mark. So these are important places to have in mind uh, today for where John Payton was a missionary to. Um, nice. So what is the benefit of looking at the life of a missionary? So what we're doing this morning is quite different to what we've done in the other sessions. We're going to be looking at the Bible, but also looking a lot at this book, uh, John Payton's Autobiography. So what are the benefits of looking at the life of a missionary? John Payton was another imperfect man like us. He was weak. He was frail. He sinned. uh, He was dependent on Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins like us so why why would we look at Peyton well Mark and I have decided to do a seminar on Peyton not for us to idolize him or look at men from a particular generation and go weren't that set of Christians so much better than us today Rather, Mark and I hope for this time that we will be more captivated with Peyton's God, who is our God. As we look at Peyton's life, the eternal God who protected Peyton time and time again, who comforted Peyton time and time again, is our God today. And we also hope that seeing more of our God's face, we will follow Peyton's gospel example um, Sam, could I ask you, and if we all turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. I just want to read it, yeah.
1: Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in
0: us. Yeah, so Paul, thank you, Sam. Paul writes here and in his other letters that Christian growth often comes through imitating mature Christians. To go back to our opening question, what does a good life look like? Peyton did live a good life because he took up his cross and followed Jesus Christ. Although it was a life of immense suffering and cost, he believed Jesus's words in Matthew 28 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Peyton embraced suffering as a gospel privilege. He believed in the power of the word of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so plowed on in telling cannibals who hated him the gospel. And so Mark and I hope today that it will encourage us to take up our cross also and go out in faith like Peyton. So the format for this seminar is gonna be a little different to our normal seminar. Mark and I are gonna take it in turns to tell you a bit about Peyton's life, and then we're going to draw out gospel principles from those life. We've got some quite detailed notes on the sheet, but it'd be quite useful, I think, if you took notes, because obviously this is something quite unfamiliar to us, um, and it would also be good for the discussions that we're having amongst each other. Um, But now I'm going to hand over to Mark, who's going to take us through An early life in Scotland, a man like you or I.
1: Lovely, thank you, uh, Samuel. (laughs) So, uh, John Pitton, born in Scotland, um, before he looked like this here, much younger. He was born in um, Dumfrieshire. Um, in the rural parish of Kirkmahoe as a youngster moved to a village called Torthorwald outside Dumfries. Um, he was the eldest of 11 siblings and they were a very poor family. Um, his dad was a stocking maker. Um, he became a minister in the Foreign Presbyterian Church of Scotland whenever he grew up and that's where he spent his ministry. Um, so looking at his early life in Scotland, we want to get this big picture that he's um, he didn't think of himself as an exceptional man or any different to how you and I are so we're going to look at how he conducted himself in um, his early life, in his family life, his uh, job and we'll think a bit about his early ministry in Scotland. So f- first point we want to look at is um, he was pious parenting, um, the legacy of a life devoted or wholly um, set apart for God's um, so what made John Payton such a strong Christian? Um, I think part of it is to do, we go and we look at um, his family life that he experienced. Um, and our lesson is that great Christians relish or love or desire to walk closely with the Lord. Um, this is the language of piety in the Psalms. For example, I've got down in the sheet Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. The psalmist longs to be near the Lord, to be with the Lord, to be spending time in the presence of the Lord. Uh, Similarly, as Corey touched on, Psalm 27, um, your face I shall seek, seeking the Lord's face, similar idea conveyed, seeking the Lord's presence. Um, This is the piety and the um, devotion of the Psalms, the devotion of Paul in the New Testament, um, and it's the devotion of uh, John Payton's father, um, James. So we're going to uh, look at him as an example. So I've got a quote from the book. We would encourage you to pick up this book. Um, there's so much stuff that we're leaving out that's really helpful. Um, it's in a fantastic read as well. Um, but he says this about his father. He says, Our home consisted of a butt and a bed and a mid-room or a chamber called the closet. The closet was a very small room between the two other, having only room for a bed, a little table and a chair. This was the sanctuary of that cottage home. Daily and more than once a day, generally after each meal, we saw our father retire, shut the door, and we children got to understand by a sort of spiritual instinct, for the thing was too sacred to be talked about, that prayers were being poured out there for us. We occasionally heard the feeble echoes of a trembling voice pleading as if for life, and we learned to slip out and in past that door on tiptoe, so as not to disturb the holy colloquy. The outside world may not know, but we knew. From where came that happy light as of a newborn smile that always was dawning on my father's face. It was a reflection from the divine presence in the consciousness of which he lived. This was the example of... Um, Peyton's father gave him the strength. And throughout his biography, we see that Peyton was a man himself who loved to walk closely with the Lord, spend time in the Lord's presence in prayer and in the word of God. Um, For us today, often it can be the case that outward observance of religious duties is easier or more appealing to us than it is actually to walk closely with the Lord in our lives. Um, Rule keeping often is an easier thing than walking with God, outward observance. Some people are even more willing to suffer, I think, to do hard things for the Lord than to do the daily delighting in the Lord's presence and nearness to them. Yeah. Some people often want the glamour without the walk. They want to be seen in the church, but then they go privately into that closet or they hardly ever do that. Um. So, the second thing I want to think about of John Payton's early life is that he was exemplary in the ordinary. So, he secured a scholarship from the Reformed Presbyterian Church um, and uh, started training at the Free Church of Scotland Normal Seminary. This is a place where they trained teachers for their schools. Um, and then he uh, became a school teacher in Glasgow, um, in Maryhill Merry Hill area, the school that belonged to the Free Church there. Um, and we get our second lesson here that great Christians live holy for God in whatever circumstance. Yeah, Peyton was a missionary to cannibals in the South Pacific. Um, he showed great faith there, but he, he, this was um, the, the consistent posture of his life um, was to do all things holy for God um, and live his life holy for him. And we get this from the text in Colossians 3 verse 23, whatever you do, Work it out with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Um, so then I'm going to, I'll give you the example of his life as a schoolteacher. He says, I addressed them. They came for education. Everything would be heartily done. that It was in my power to do. But that anyone who wished for mischief had better stay away. As I was determined to conquer, not to be conquered. And to secure order and silence, whatever it might cost. <laughs> further I assured them that the cane would not again be lifted by me if kindness and forbearance on my part could possibly gain the day as I wished to rule by love and not by terror Um, this young man who he was disputing with earlier knew he was in the wrong and it was that which made him weak against me though he was in every way stronger than I yet I would be his friend and helper if he was willing to be friendly with me so John Payton, his heart was set on living and working for the Lord, whether that is in, as a school teacher in Mary Hill in Glasgow or whether that was a missionary to cannibals in the South Pacific. Um, yeah, you don't need to go to be a missionary to um, take example of the great life of John Payton. Um, he was intent on doing the Lord's will in whatever circumstance the Lord put him in he had humility um to uh not desire anything greater than where he was um though he did desire to be a missionary he was content with whatever wherever the lord put him um and he did his job with humility um and he wasn't seeking glamour um but was seeking to do the lord's will and the second the third point here is similar um, he did it for glamour. Or not, did not do it for glamour. He did it for God, not glamour. Um, this is the third example from his life, I think. Of great Christians do not seek to be seen by others, but seek to do God's will. Um, uh, he was, uh, he became, he was ordained in the Reformed Presbyterian Church and became a city, city missionary um, in Glasgow, connected with Great Hamilton Road. Um, Reformed Presbyterian, and he was working with the lower classes, he was doing all manner of activities, um, Bible classes, uh, like choirs, like um, here I've got them written down, Um, uh, yeah and he was doing a mission service uh, that would, um, started with six or seven people and grew, over the 10 years that he was there to many, many people in the city and many coming to faith through it. Um, He says of his Bible class, Lecturing on the Shorter Catholicism, my delight in that Bible class was amongst the purest joys in all my life and the results were amongst the most certain and precious of my ministry. Um, However, and I think it is naturally odd to us that he left a very successful ministry in Glasgow after 10 years to go and be a missionary Amongst cannibals in the South Pacific, he, um, he didn 't know whether he was going to be successful. He could have ended up like the guys who went before him, got off the boat, killed straight away, and eaten for breakfast. But um, he uh, was humble, content to do the lord 's will in every circumstance. People just tried to dissuade him from. Leaving this successful ministry, one godly elder, Patton recounts as saying, said, doubtless the spear for which God had given me particular qualifications and in which he was, had so largely blessed my labours, that if I left now those attending my classes and meetings, they might certainly be scattered, and many of them would probably fall away. The elder said that I was leaving certainty for uncertainty, work in which God had made me greatly useful for work in which I might fail to be useful, and only throw away my life amongst cannibals. But Peyton understood the teaching of Jesus Christ, that the last will be first and the first will be last. He um, seek to do the Lord's will. He, uh, um, he felt a calling uh, to these people in the South Pacific and he was intent from his earliest days really... That this Glasgow ministry was only a sort of um, time in between before he started to do his proper ministry um, or his his life's calling amongst the cannibals in the South Pacific. Um, I think it's surprising to us that he um, did this. He could have had a he he had a pretty reasonable salary. He was going to get a month in Glasgow if he had stayed, um, a living arrangement for the minister. Um, but he swapped these for a meagre lifestyle um living in danger of cannibals um in danger of death he would get no recognition from people while he was there where he was in the limelight in glasgow um but he understood the lord's saying and he with humility wished to do the lord's will he would go um where he would not be potentially not be successful and we'll see he wasn't successful as he went to tana and driven off the island by the armies, um. But he was willing to do the Lord's work wherever that left, led him to, um. So, there we're gonna look at some questions which are on page twenty four. You won't have time to get through them all, but we'll give you sort of uh, three or four minutes um to. Five yeah, three or four minutes to pick a couple of questions and talk through them with your neighbours. Um, yeah, what jumps out to you about? John Payton's life in Scotland. Well, I hope
0: we found that helpful. Um, I know our group did. It's quite interesting on the back of the guidance seminar yesterday to think about question three, what do you make of Peyton leaving his fruitful ministry in Glasgow? And we were having a little discussion in our group that it would have been wise for him to stay in Glasgow. He was doing great work there, um, but also, you had a good phrase, Samuel. It was like sometimes when we're called to do something by God, the cogs don't always fit together, but we trust God is faithful. Um, there was also, I don't know, in Glasgow, he trained people up. In Tanner, as we will find, there was basically uh, nothing. Uh, so interesting questions, Mark. Yeah, I really appreciated them. Um, so now we're on page uh, 24 um, and. John's arrival on Tanner. Um, so John and his wife, okay. So his wife, Mary, if you read this book, which I would heartily recommend that you do, his wife, Mary, pops out of nowhere. So Peyton, <laughs> Peyton spends like, a considerable amount of time talking about his parents' romance, but when meeting his own wife, it's like, me and my wife, and with, as a reader, you get whiplash about where the, where she came from. Um, so, if that's a reason for you to buy the book, uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, but yeah, Mary pops out of nowhere, and John and his wife Mary uh, set off on the 16th of April, 1858. One for you, Samuel, to a date for the historian, uh, to uh, yeah, the New Hebrides, uh, and they arrived on the island of Tanna later uh, in 1858. Um, I don't know what we think of uh, the South Pacific, but they didn't find a lush uh, paradise by the Pacific uh, there. Um, can I ask, uh, Johanna, could you read Ephesians uh, chapter 2 verses 1 to 2 for us? So, chapter 2, verses 1
1: to 2. As for you you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of
0: this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. Yeah, thank you, Johanna. So, we can have that description of those who are outside of Christ, that they're dead, that they follow Satan, and if you see a corpse, it's dead, it's not got a little bit of life, and that is how. Paul in Ephesians describes us before Christ. There wasn't a little bit of love for God in us. We were spiritually dead. And it can be quite hard for us to believe that. We look at ourselves sometimes. We look at other people and go, surely I wasn't dead outside of Christ. Um, when John, Ta- when John Payton arrived on Tanna, the truths of Ephesians and the rest of the Bible about our total depravity outside of Christ really hit home and were illustrated very visibly. Um, so, as soon as John and Mary arrived on the island on the same day, uh, five or six men uh, were shot dead in a conflict. Um, so, on the island of Tanna, there are lots of various tribes. Uh, there were lots of various tribes often in conflict and this was a battle between the two. Those five or six dead warriors who were killed were then cooked by a rival tribe and eaten uh, as soon as John and Mary arrived on the island. Um, And the widows of the warriors who were killed were then strangled, as was tradition in Tanna. So they believed um, women had an extremely degraded position on the island of Tanna and they believed that the spirit of the wife would accompany the husband in the afterlife. Um, So Peyton writes very honestly on his arrival and we've got this quote on the sheet, um, on beholding these natives in their paint and nakedness and misery my heart was as full of horror as of pity. So as Mark was saying, Peyton had left behind a difficult ministry in Glasgow, but a visible one. He could see people, for example, turning from alcoholism, living new lives for Christ, and he was seeing fruits. And having had elders say maybe it wasn't the wisest thing to go to Tanner, it was discouraging when he first got there for Peyton. I think it's important to say we can often think Christians of the past weren't human like us, weren't frail like us, didn't have feelings like us, but Peyton when he arrived, uh, had to preach the gospel to himself, had to believe these truths day by day for himself, because looking visibly on the island of Tanna was very uh, discouraging. Um, but the discouragement of John's first few months in Tanna uh, weren't just the natives; um, he encountered tragic loss. So. So in February 1859, so they arrived at the end of 1858. And then in February 1859, John's son was born. Um, But tragically, two weeks after his son's birth, Peyton's wife died of pneumonia. And then two weeks after that, the child died. Um, Peyton writes of this sorrow, and I've got the quote again um, on the sheet. Uh, It was very difficult to be resigned, left alone and in sorrowful circumstance. But feeling immovably assured that my God and father was too wise and loving to err, so to make a mistake in anything that he does or permits, I looked up to the Lord for help and struggled on in his work. And I think this final phrase, struggled on, is such an important phrase. There's no Stoicism. No, I don't have any feelings. He struggled on in his gospel work. Um, Peyton didn't abandon his belief belief that, as Romans eight twenty eight says, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, but yet as the Bible doesn't deny that we suffer profoundly and have real pain, John didn't deny that. Uh, and as First Peter chapter five verse seven states. He cast all his anxieties on his heavenly Father in challenging times. So Peyton had four years on Tanner, starting with initial discouragement, um, and it was a dangerous four years. Um, I have made a brief a brief list of some of the threats that Peyton encountered during his time there. Um, so some of the brief threats. So here we have, imagine this was your own life for a second, that you encountered this in four years. Um, surrounded in your house by armed men, have all your possessions stolen. The day after you have all your possessions stolen, a man rush upon you with an axe, only to have someone else quickly defend you with a spade. Then the day after that, have someone with a loaded musket following you for four hours, threatening to kill you. Another time one evening waking three times to have a chief and his men try and force the door of your house open to kill you. Another time a rumour being spread about people wanting to eat you, having fellow Christians murdered in front of you, having rifles pointed through your windows, having your house set on fire. So these, this is just, as you'll see, it's quite an adventure story. This He went through the ringer, um, just every different thing you could think of. It's like that list with Paul when he was like, I was shipwrecked. Everything, everything happened. Um, so these were real, real threats to his life and safety. Um, when his possessions were stolen, for instance, he had nothing to cook with. Um, so that was a difficulty. Um, so what was Peyton's response to all this hostile aggression. Did he get through it all because he was made of strong stuff in that period of history or because he was really smart? Uh, No. Peyton was an extraordinary man of faith. But he and all the great figures in Christian history relied on what we rely on day to day in our Christian walk. So I've put it underneath Peyton's weapons. Um, And firstly, it's important to know that Paton was a prayerful man. This was his strength. Um, We see Paton's obedience to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When Peyton's house was surrounded by armed men, he prayed, he and the fellow Christians there. Another time when people intended to kill him, he says he and fellow Christians set themselves to pray to our dear Lord Jesus, either himself to protect us or take him to his glory. Terrible circumstances led him to cling closely to Jesus. Um, There's a wonderful passage in this, my favourite part, where he's in a tree all night because that's the safest place for him. And he describes feeling his saviour's spiritual presence whilst praying, even in a cold tree at midnight. Um, And Peyton could pray like this because he was an unashamed supernaturalist. So I've got that in trust in God's sovereignty. Peyton's life was not governed primarily by chance or fate, but by his loving Heavenly Father, who is the Lord of hosts. When someone with a gun didn't shoot Peyton, Peyton said that God restrained his hand. It wasn't just luck or chance, God restrained his hand. Peyton said at another time, when seven or eight people surrounded Peyton to kill him, that the invisible one restrained them. And because he was certain of God's sovereignty, this is why he could rejoice even in suffering. He writes in quite a poetic way in one of the many threats to his life, with my trembling hands clasped in the hand once nailed on Calvary, and now holding the scepter of the universe, calmness and peace and resignation abode in my soul. And the final of uh, Peyton's weapons, if you will, Um, is the love of those who hated him, who sought him to be dead. Even when threatened with death, Peyton would not kill anyone, for as he said, he had gone to save and not to destroy. And Jesus taught us to love our enemies and always return good for evil. Quite powerful when someone is there with a gun or dagger to you to still put faith in Jesus in this way. Um, His safety was in God. Not in defending himself. Um, and he would speak Bible truths to those who threatened him. Um, but despite all this, so we've seen what an extraordinary man of faith, what trust. And yet, despite all his long efforts for four years, day and night, Peyton had to leave Tanner eventually because his life was in an unsustainable threat that he just couldn't do evangelism on the island. Um, In 1862, he left Tanner um, and really the gospel was driven off Tanner. Those who had been Christian, apart from Peyton, um, had been killed. And that was extremely discouraging. Four years of hard work with wonderfully a few souls converted for Christ, but also the question of was this worth it, these four years, all this suffering? Um, We have the quote there from Peyton. I never doubted that the whole earth would yet be filled with the glory of the Lord. But I sometimes solely feared that I may never, might never live to see or hear of that happy day. Um, so I'm going to leave us on a cliffhanger. What happens next? Um, Mark's going to take us to Aniwa next. But before then, I've got two questions for us to think about for five minutes. Uh, yeah, um, you don't need to look at all the passages. Maybe just look at one of them uh, in your pairs. Look at one of the passage. How does Peyton's life show his belief in these passages? Um, and then we'll discuss this in prayer time at the end. But might be worth discussing now. In what areas can we struggle to follow the example of Peyton? And then got a list there.
1: So five, five or so minutes to discuss. mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With Dumfries, oh, because the Borders is the right-hand side, and then Dumfries, Dumfries and Galloway. Okay, yeah, fair enough. He got married in the Borders. Okay, right. Yeah, sorry. Um, okay, never mind. Uh, Lovely. Um, So, after he was driven off. The um, island of Tanna by the um, armies and warriors there. Um, Pidden sends time fundraising in Australia and in Scotland, um, where he gets remarried to Margaret Whitecross. I don't know where that marriage happened. Um, I'm not sure it was in the. could have been in the borders. Or, um, yes, uh, and the, he was raising money to purchase a new boat for the New Hebrides mission. Um, and I think. It's challenging, this is one of the best we're skipping over, but it's challenging when you read it. It's a real mark of his character that he shows, when you read it, he seems to show as much enthusiasm about this work of fundraising that the Lord's given to him as he did when he was in a missionary on the island itself. Um, yeah, so after this, um, okay, so the New Hebrides mission sent, they targeted Tana because it was the biggest island, it was the most populated island, um, so they felt it was the most strategic one, to, to send missionaries in order to reach the whole archipelago of the islands of the New Hebrides. Um, but God was wiser than the missionaries. So Peyton was driven off, um, Tana, and then he went to the small island of Inua, um You can see on the map um, where there was 200 people, about 200 in- inhabitants. Um, and this, again, brought new challenges, um, new hostilities from people he hadn't met before, um, a new language to learn. Um, new work to be done, constructing a new meeting house and house for himself and uh, mobilising new workers that he um, also had with him to uh, spread the gospel. Um, but in the end, um, the whole island of Aniwa, all 200 eventually confessed Christ, which is a great work of God on this island. So therefore, in this section... Aniwa, a man who was blessed by God, we're going to focus on um, God and what lessons we can learn about God from Peyton's time on Aniwa. Um, so the first thing we want to think about is that it's God um, who does all the work. It's, um, the lesson is that God not, does not depend on anyone else to do his work. Um, I think the obvious question is here is why did um, things go wrong on Tana? Um, why was he driven away? Um, and saw only a few converts who actually died, at least one of them died shortly after becoming a Christian. Um, So it seems that um, he saw very little fruit on Tana, but saw much, much fruit on Aniwa. Why was this? And I think it's um, because God does the work. God opened the hearts of the people on Aniwa to receive the gospel. And this is how Paul... Um, responds to that truth after he's um, laid it out in Romans chapter 11. He says in verse 33 and 36, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever. Amen. So um, we were chatting about it. We can't know God's ways, um, but he um, sits in the heavens. Um, and he does what pleases him, and he, many of um, Peyton's fellow missionaries died on Tanna, without seeing fruit, um. But God spared Peyton because he had more work to do, and he wanted to see the um the island of Aniwa, um. Most of them saved, um. So it's a great mystery, but it reminds us that in our evangelism, in our work, um. In church and as a member of the church and serving the body, um, that it's not things that we do, it's not as though we can pray enough to conjure up something or we can do something exactly right as we think the Bible says it should be done, and that guarantees success. Um, it's God who provides the success. Um, fruitless ministry on Tana wasn't a marker of, um, pittance, um, impiety, or that he was doing something wrong, but it was God who. Um, blesses the work. Um, and it's a lesson in humility to accept that, that it's not dependent on us, but it's God who does all the work. The second lesson I think we want to learn about God is that He totally transforms sinners um, whom He makes Christians. So God is powerful to absolutely transform the lives of sinners. Um, and Paul talks about this in Titus chapter 2. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. So, turned around totally from ungodliness. Um, indulging worldly passions to being self-controlled, upright and godly. Um, it's only God who could do this work um, of absolute transformation. Um, As Samuel was taking us through, these are extreme examples of wickedness. Um, the cannibals in Tana or in Aniwa. Um, in his apo- accounts he talks about how they would commonly um, kill their children and wives. He says, um, a young husband who had been jealous of his wife buried their male child alive as soon as born. He tells a story about a young couple who had no children. And the husband resolved to take home another wife, a widow with two children who was naturally opposed to his young wife or this was naturally opposed to his young wife. And without the slightest warning, while she sat plaiting a basket, he discharged a ball into her from his loaded musket. So real depravity, real wickedness on this island and that we see, of course, in our world today um, and in our country, but I think it was common and accepted unlike in our country today. But Peyton relates to how both these... People went on to become sound converts and partaking in the Lord's Supper. And he says a great, he has a great account of the piety um, of these uh, former cannibals, people who were um, vindictive, evil, savage, killing their wives, threatening children. And he talks about how um, they were transformed and on the Sabbath day in Aniwa, um, breakfast is partaken immediately after daylight and then the church bell rings and they go for um, for the first service that lasts about an hour they've gotten 20 minutes and then there's a second service that they go to um, at the close of the second service there is a communicants class and um, going through the shorter catechism um, this is a um, conducted year-round and from this are the church members drawn most of them having attended for two years before their um the elders uh, permit them to take partake in the lord's supper um and he says this discipline accounts for the fact that very few of our converts have ever fallen away um while this is going on other church members are holding a prayer meeting amongst themselves in this adjoining school started of their own free accord where they invoke god's blessing and the work and the worship of the day um they have a brief meal of tea and then um uh they have Sabbath school, um, in which the whole inhabitants, young and old, take part. Him superintending and giving the address, um. After that, about one o'clock, the school is closed, and um, teachers and elders um go around the island, methodically, um, speaking in short services in the open air um at each of the towns, um. And, figuring out about cases of sickness, um and reporting on signs of progress in the work of the Lord. Um, when darkness begins to approach at the end of the day, the canoe drum is beat at every village and the people assemble under the banyan tree for evening village prayers. So it's a totally different way of life for the ones. Um a, a life that's exemplary to us, I think. It's a packed Sunday full of um, devotional activity. But these were people who... Formerly hated the gospel, hated Peyton, was threatening him, but now are partaking um, devotedly in the Sunday Sabbath worship. Um, There's lots of moving stories of individuals. One is Litsi Sore, who becomes a missionary to the people who killed her own husband as a result of uh, Peyton's work. Another is Lamu, who the elders decided was not ready to take the Lord's Supper, but she comes to private, Peyton privately saying, I cannot sleep, I cannot eat, my soul is in pain. Am I to be shut out from Jesus? I think there's two lines of application for us. I think first we can think about how thoroughly the grace of God transforms people. Um, we have the same Holy Spirit as Peyton and his converts had. Um, we read the same Bible as they all read. We probably, I don't know, Probably have more of it than they did, with um, limits and translation of it. Um, But they are an example to us. How are we seeing the work, the progress of the work of the Lord in our own lives? Um, An increased devotion um, to Him and uh, willingness to do His work, to take risks, to suffer for Him. And we do. Do we display such great faith? It's an example to us. Secondly, it shows the power of the Spirit of God, um, who is mighty to save, and um, transforms converts from the inside out. Um, if there has been any work in us, God um, deserves thanksgiving for it. Um, if there's any, in- if we would like the work to increase in us, God, we intercede to God. If we've seen any work in other people, it's God who's to be thanked, and it's. If we want to do evangelism, mission, we need to pray to God because there's nothing can be done without him. Um, Peyton expresses it well, um, talking about Nasi, who's another person that we haven't mentioned um, because there's not time. We'd really encourage you to pick up the biography. There's plenty of these stories that we haven't been able to touch on. But let me um, read how Peyton sums up this transforming work of God. Oh, that men at home who discuss and doubt about conversion and the new heart and the power of Jesus to change and save could only look on nassie and spell out the simple lesson. He that created us first by his power can create us anew by his love. Perfect. So there's um, two more questions that, uh, to look at that I've included in the handout on page 25. Um, so we'll discuss those for um, about... Yeah. three or four minutes and then we'll have some time for closing prayer <laughs> Lot, lots of good discussions and
0: I'm really sorry I have to cut them short but hopefully these are conversations that we can keep having um, maybe if you all form a book club together and read the book club that could keep the conversations going but there is so much more to say but I think it would really be good for us to spend some time in prayer so um, at the bottom of the sheet And just you probably have been talking about this through the session, so there's not necessarily a need to discuss it again. But praying through um, how has looking at Peyton's life captivated us more with our God? Um, Good thing to share encouragements with each other and pray through it. Um, And then in what areas would we like to grow following Peyton's gospel example? Um, If you look again at the top of the sheet, um, do we need to grow in? Trusting in God's sovereignty over all creation, trusting the gospel is enough to win, even murderers, cannibals, um, patrons rejoicing in suffering, love for those who are revilers for the gospel. Um, so yeah we'll pray um, until we'll pray for about five minutes, then our prayers to close, then give instructions for things that are happening next. Um, to cross prayers. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you that you. That you brought us back to you, that we were dead, but you, out of your love, uh, sent your precious son to die for us. And now we have life in you, that we are new creations. And thank you that you who protected Peyton um, and brought the dead back to life uh, spiritually, that you are our God. And I pray that we will be more captivated by you, that we will love you more. And I pray from that, Lord, our trust in you, the Lord of hosts, that we will Uh, tell other people the gospel that we will know that the gospel is a powerful tool and yeah and please may the conversations and prayers we've had now be ongoing into the next semester in Jesus name amen. amen